My theme for this afternoon is the Passover. The Passover. We've been following the book of Mark for about a year now, I think. Yeah, about a year. And we're coming towards the end of the book of Mark. And last week, Pastor spoke about the Last Supper. Chapter 14 of Mark, verse 12 says, And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So what then is the Passover? So to answer that question, we need to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. And I'll just give you a little bit of the background history before I go into the text. Now, if you can remember the story, if you remember Joseph, he was a man that was blessed by God. And because God had anointed and appointed him and gave him favour with the Pharaoh, he was allowed to bring his, his family over. But it came a time when all of those people that knew Joseph died. And so the Israelites were now being treated particularly badly. But more importantly, God had made a covenant before to say that he was going to take his people from where they were into the promised land. And that time had come. Now, before all of this, God had said to Pharaoh, through his servants Moses and Aaron, that he should let the people of God go. But his heart was hard. In other words, he was stubborn and he would not. And God sent nine different plagues upon the Egyptians. But while the Egyptians were suffering, the children of God were not suffering. But still, Pharaoh's heart was hard. And the last but one plague was when darkness fell upon the cold camp of the Egyptians. And towards the end of this, you can find this in Exodus 11, Pharaoh says to Moses, to go away from him, I'm paraphrasing, and he says, the next time I see you, you are going to die. And Moses said, he said, well, because I will see you no more. As Moses left that company, He went to the place where God spoke with him and Aaron. And this is now chapter 12 of Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, up until this point, the Jews will celebrate the start of the year round about the harvest time. And for us, that would be in the autumn months. But God was about to do a new thing. He was about to take his people out of the place of bondage and out of the place of slavery to a place of freedom, a place of liberty. And because of this, God said in verse 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. In other words, I want your new year to now start in this month. In some versions, it will say in the month of Nisan or the month of Abyss. And it was on the 14th day that this was all going to take place. Now, when God speaks to us, 
And when he wants to make a change and do something new within us, he asks that we follow with strict obedience. For when we follow with obedience, God is able to do what he wants to do. And as we go through the book of Exodus, I would also like to talk about the other Passover, that of our Lord Jesus, the same person that the choir sang about, that went all the way to Calvary just to die for you and for me. So the book of 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells me that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it tells me that the day that we accept Christ into our lives, that is a brand new beginning for us. The Jews celebrated the month of Abyss as their new year. We as Christians celebrate the day that we accept the Lord into our lives as our new year, our new beginning, our new start. The Bible tells me that all things... Everything that I had done in the past has been wiped away. It has been erased. It is no longer standing before me simply because Christ, the great Passover, has made all things new. Amen. God said he was to speak to the congregation of Israel, saying that in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbours next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. And now here is the criteria. The lamb should be without blemish. Verse 5. A male of the first year, he shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. The lamb should be without blemish. The sacrifice that God required then was to have a lamb that was perfect. The idea was that such a lamb would be able in time to come to take away the sins of the people. So if the lamb was blemished or spotted or something was wrong with it, the lamb would not be able to be used for such a sacrifice. Hence, when God was set, you see, everything that God does is perfectly done. And it is timely done. And nothing that he does is out of order because everything connects and everything points from the Old Testament through to the New Testament where Christ came onto the scene. So the lamb that was used for the Passover was one year old male. Why one year? That will signify or symbolize the innocence of the lamb. And we know that Christ was innocent. They accused him of many, many things, none of which he was guilty for. We know that Christ was perfect. We know that he had no spots, no wrinkles, no blemish. 1 Peter 1.19 tells us that we are not purchased with silver nor with gold, but by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
So that tells me that when we look to Christ, our Passover lamb, we do so with fullness and with boldness, knowing that He is able and only He alone is able to remove all of our sin because He had no spot. He had no blemishes within Him. Verse 6 says, And He shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Up until this time, when all the various plagues were placed upon the children of Egypt, the children of Israel were spared. The Bible tells us that Moses would raise the staff or the rod, and so the darkness would come upon the Egyptians, but not upon the children of God. But now, it's going to change. Every house must stand for themselves. Similarly today, every individual must have a relationship with the Passover lamb for themselves. Now what God has said was that if the household was too small for the lamb, then they were to join with the neighbour next door. And as we go through further into the passage, we see that the lamb had to be slain at one house. The meat could not be taken to the next door neighbour, so the next door neighbour had to come and stay in the house where the lamb was slain. Because the Bible tells us that when they should slay the lamb, they would take the blood and strike it upon the lentil. So that would be across the top and down the right and down the left of the doorpost. Now, as I was doing my studies, I did a word search on Passover. And it told me that the Passover, or Pascha, means to skip over, to spare, or to pass over. And as I was searching through the scriptures, I find that the first time that the word Passover is mentioned in the Bible is when God is having a dialogue with Moses and Aaron earlier in chapter 12 of the book of Exodus, when he tells them that they should take this lamb and this lamb will be the Passover. Now the word Passover as we see behind is one word. Yeah? We agree. That's the Paschal lamb. But when we read further into the text, It tells us in verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. Two words, an action. So the blood upon the doorpost was a sign to the death angel that the folks behind this enclosure are servants of the Most High God. And therefore, the death angel will pass over that house or that dwelling. Not pass over as in one word, but pass over to spare. Now we know that throughout the Bible, 
in order for one to be forgiven of sin, blood had to be shed. So the first Passover marked a new beginning. It required a perfect lamb to be sacrificed. The first Passover was also done in the evening, which coincides with the time that Jesus Christ had died upon the cross. The Bible tells us in verse 6 of Exodus, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lamb at twilight or at evening time. And in Mark 15 verse 34, speaking of Christ the Passover says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and verse 37, and breathed his last. And I add breath. So the Passover lamb was slain back in Egypt, but Christ was slain upon the cross of Calvary, still in the evening time. The first Passover required blood, so they took the blood and they put it on the doorpost. And further on in the, in the scripture, it tells us that they use hyssop. Now hyssop is a plant. And it is also used to purify and to purge. So not only were they just smearing the blood, but a sense of purging was actually taking place. When Christ died for us, he purged each and every one of us of our sins. David tells us in the book of Psalms 51 to use the hyssop and I should be purged white as snow. So the hyssop is a plant but it also has a purifying side to it. Now the blood that Jesus shed and if you listen carefully Matthew 26 28 this is Jesus at the Passover before he went to the cross. And he says to his disciples, for this is my blood of the New Testament. New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And I must confess that I used to read this scripture over and over so many times whenever we have communion. And I always interpreted the New Testament as in the Bible, New Testament, rather than Old Testament. But that is not really what it's talking about. The Testament that Christ is talking about is the will or the covenant. Now we know that if someone says to us, I've written an inheritance for you, or I've left an inheritance for you in my will. As long as that person is alive, that inheritance is not coming my way. So Christ says that the blood that they were partaking of symbolized the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. So the shedding of Christ's blood came only once he was actually on the cross. Now, it was common practice in those days that when they were hanging on the cross, that the leg of the person on the cross would have been broken. And this was done so that it would speed up the death process. 
The research tells me that it causes some additional pressure upon the heart and so the person would either suffocate or kind of have like a heart attack and so the dying will take place quickly. Now we know that at Calvary there was a thief on the right and on the left and Jesus was in the middle. But so that the scripture can be fulfilled, the scripture says that not one of his bones would be broken. But if we go back to Exodus chapter 12 and skip down to verse 46, speaking of the lamb, it says, In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh, abroad out of the house, neither shall he break a bone thereof. So the lamb that was slain at the Passover back in Egypt, the bone could not be broken. The flesh could not be split and taken next door. It had to remain in the house. Christ, his bone could not be broken. So because the Passover was now approaching them, they wanted to speed up the death process. So they broke the legs of the other two guys. But when they came to Christ, he was already dead. So to make sure, to make double sure that Christ was dead, they took a sword and pierced into his side. Amen. The Bible tells us that water and blood came forth. It is that blood that Christ was speaking about when he was celebrating the feast of Passover with his disciples, which he says is shed for many, for all, whosoever will, for the remission of sin. What does that mean? In order for my sin to be wiped away, it takes the blood of Jesus Christ and no other. It takes no song, no dance, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's a little bit more to go. The first Passover required that there would be no leaven to be used in the bread because the leaven would take time for the bread to rise. But time was of the essence. They couldn't dilly-dally at all. In fact, the Bible tells us further on that they had to eat in haste. They had to eat with their outdoor garments on. The first Passover broke a lot of traditions because you see what they would do they would take their shoes off at the door and they would go in. They would take their staff and they would leave it by the door and they would go in. The clothes that they wore then were very long and flowy. So they would need a belt to gird it up so that when they are walking or journeying on a far journey, it doesn't get in the way and trip them over. A little bit like me sometimes. If I don't hold my skirt sometimes, I will trip because of the length. But if I was to take a belt and gird it all up, I guess it would be okay. They also had to eat in haste. Why? Because God was about to do something 
And when God had done what he had done, when he made that call, they had to be ready to go. They couldn't be looking for the belt. They couldn't be looking for the shoes. They had to have everything in hand, ready to go. Amen. So he says that they should eat the flesh that night, roast in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. What then is leaven? I've just said that it causes the bread to rise. But the Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus warns his disciples to be mindful of the leaven. In other words, be mindful of those who would influence you to sin, influence you to err, influence your attitudes and influence our behaviours, things that we adopt to influence our lives and the way that we live our lives. In Matthew 16, 11 and 12, Jesus says to the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. As we were going through the book of Mark, we realised that there were a bunch of hypocrites, to be blunt. They gave false doctrines and they filled everything with a lot of legalism. But not only that, they made it so difficult for someone to follow the word of God and as we look around today we see that there are a lot of Pharisees we see that there's a lot of hypocrisy we see that there's a lot of doctrines that are false and the sad thing is that some of us are actually believing such false doctrines but Jesus said that we are to be careful one example is that found in John 18 28 This is when the religious leaders, the Jews, they wanted to find something against Jesus so that they can kill him. Now, whatever they found, we know was false. But they didn't have the power nor the authority to do it themselves. They had to go to the Roman emperor. Now, the Bible tells me in John 18, 28, that they took Jesus to Caiaphas onto the hall of judgment. And it was early early on the day. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. You see, we can get lost in the worship or the festival or the celebration, but lose the essence or the importance of who we are worshipping. What do I mean by that? The second Passover took place in the wilderness of Sinai. And in Numbers chapter 9, it tells us that there were some men as the Passover time approached. And these men said to Moses, we are defiled. We have buried the dead, I'm paraphrasing, but they were defiled. Can we still partake of the Passover? And Moses said, I got to go back to God on this one. I don't know. And God said to Moses, tell them that they can take the Passover next month. So in the second month, rather than the first month. Are you with me? So anyone that was defiled, anyone that was on a long journey who were not able 
to celebrate the Passover at the rightful time, God said can do it the month following. The Bible tells us that they were defiled because they touched the dead body. But these Pharisees and religious rulers, because they called the Gentiles unclean, believe that if they touch a Gentile, they would be unclean and therefore would not be able to partake in the Passover. But their hearts were unclean. And that is what Jesus had been saying all along. It's not about the actions that we do, but it is about the heart that we have. And if we are to walk in 2020 closer to God, if we are to draw closer to God throughout this year, then it's our heart that makes the difference and not the things that I do because I can do all the right things. I can say all the right things. I can go all the right places and still not partake of that great Passover. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus said to be careful of the leaven of Herod, which at the time was talking about the worldliness and the unbelief because he was still seeking a sign. He talked about the leaven of the Corinthians, which in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 8, which was immorality. They had no shame in the things that they were doing. Incest was rife. But they gloried in the fact that the churches were full. The worship team was doing well. The choir was singing brilliantly. The tithes and the offerings were being paid without any issues. But they are not to glory in such. Because why? Their hearts was not where God needed their hearts to be. He talks about the leaven of the Galatians, which is legalism. And in Galatians 5, 1 to 9, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, sometimes I will, let me be blunt. I will not participate in some of the big sin out there. But the little sin that goes at my heart, the little sin that pull on my heartstring, I accept it. I allow it to creep in little by little. And what I am not realizing is that one little is going to contaminate everything. And unless we apply the blood of Jesus Christ, that contamination cannot be eradicated. Hallelujah. Sometimes, sometimes we allow these little lumps of leaven to come in because it sounds good. We are warned about itching ears, doctrines that will tickle our fancy, but it's far removed from the Word of God. We are approaching the season of Easter. And many, many will be caught up in chocolate eggs and all the rest of it. And I wonder to myself, why a chocolate egg? If it was a chocolate lamb, perhaps I could understand. Because a lamb and a lamb, right? 
But an egg, they say an egg is symbol for new beginning. I say that regardless to what we do over this Easter season, let us ensure that we are able to partake of the Passover with clean hands and pure hearts and nothing more. For that is all that God requires of us. Luke twenty two fourteen tells us, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Pastor touched upon this last week. You see, the first Passover, they ate in haste. They were ready for action. But when the master was with them, they were able to relax, to recline. The first Passover, God said, they had to do it year after year after year. Once a year, the Passover came by. Once a year, they would have, well, three times a year to be precise. But when the Passover came, they had to go to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover. But when Christ came, he changed all of that. We no longer need to go to Jerusalem. We just need to go to the cross. Just the cross where Jesus is. The first Passover made way for the old covenant. That is when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he received the Ten Commandments. But the new Passover, the new Passover, that came or gave a new covenant. One that cannot be broken. You see, when Moses came down the first time, The people annoyed him so much that he flung them on the floor and they broke. But when the word of God is written on our hearts, it cannot be broken. Amen. Christ came to enable us to be ministers of his new covenant. This covenant is not written, thou shall not. But it says, because of love, because of grace, you are forgiven. The new covenant says, the Spirit of God gives life. The old covenant says, if you do wrong, you will die. The new covenant says, I came to give life. Christ came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Christ is our new Passover. We celebrate the Lord's Supper regularly. And the Bible tells us that every time that we partake of the bread and we drink of the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My question today, are you able to partake of the bread of life? Are you able to sit or drink from the cup? Are you able to have a one-to-one with the Almighty Savior? Are you able? Sister Dorothy said, not to shake the person's hand. 
earlier today. Coronavirus. Well, coronavirus today, I don't know what it will be next year. But I do know one thing. Coronavirus or not, it takes the blood of the Lamb to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all sin. You see, and don't get me wrong, I'm not playing down coronavirus, I'm not. But hear me well, coronavirus can only destroy the body. It can only destroy the body. And you know and I know that the body is just very temporal. But there's coming a day when one will come, the destroyer. He won't be flying over and looking for the smear of the blood on the doorpost. But he will be looking for hearts that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. So my question today to my friends, will he fly over you? Will he fly over you? The first Passover, the deaf angel flew over because the blood was there. But when the destroyer come, if the blood of Christ is not in our hearts, we will be destroyed. Have you the blood of Christ? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you able to partake of that Passover called Christ? Are you able? Are you able to eat of his body and drink of his blood? Are you able? If there is one this afternoon that know not Christ, if there is one, your heart has not yet been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we would love to pray with you this afternoon. God's desire is that no one will perish. God's desire is that no one will perish. And that is why he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. If there is one this afternoon, can you just raise your hand for me? If there is one this afternoon, can you just raise your hand for me? I'll ask one more time. Is there one this afternoon who have not yet asked God to forgive them of their sin? Who have not yet made that decision to walk with him? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. God bless you.